1: Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we get the inside take from actors, artists, and creators on their work, career, and the things they obsess about. I'm your host, Connie Guilamo. Ryan Michelle Bath has had an amazing career playing strong women. She starred in TV shows, including First Wives Club, This Is Us, Army Wives, and the Amazon Prime movie, Sylvie's Love, where she plays a powerful Black women TV executive in the 50s. Up next, she stars in NBC's The Endgame as Val Turner, a very ethical FBI agent with a complicated backstory, who has to get inside the head of a brilliant international arms dealer played by the smooth-talking Morena Bacharin. Trust me, you wanna watch these two women act. Bath talked to me in between filming The Endgame in New York. Today I'm talking to Ryan Michelle. Bathé, an actor and producer who has worked extensively on television and in films, playing a variety of super interesting characters, many of whom are the kind of women that women like myself like to see, which is real women, smart, empowered, uh, knowledgeable, with a friend network. And I'm I'm not saying that all of your characters are that way. You've been in <laughs> lots of TV shows like um, First Wives Club, which anybody who knows the story of First Wives Club knows that that's about women in a very challenging life situation who rely and they rely on friends and each other to get them through. Um, but I wanted to start by not talking about your career, but just asking you how have you been coping through this pandemic? We thought it would be over. It's January 2022. <laughs> you have a career, you have your life. I know you have a family. What has it been mm-hmm. like for you? You know, I'm in, I'm exceptionally privileged, right?
0: I'm, I'm far more privileged than um, what 98% of the people on the planet, because I have running water and I have, I'm, I'm not food insecure and all of those things. Right. So um The pandemic for me has, I'm just going to start by saying that I have had all of my needs met and, um, and there isn't really a day that goes by that I'm not grateful for the fact that I understand just how wonderful it is to have a home, um, to have space in said home for all of us to have our different, you know, places to go. Um, There are many times when I'll turn on Netflix and I will have that moment, like, even for me, there was a time in my life when I could not have afforded Netflix. So I'm, I'm and I, I often think almost like parallel lives, like where would I be if this were happening now at a different point in my life, right? Like I, I, I don't know what I would do. So however difficult and challenging it's been, um, I know it could have been a, a great deal worse. So as a parent, the past two years, being, being, being in the house with, with, with the kids, And watching that development over, over such, it feels like a short amount of time, but it's like, I've had, I've had a really interesting time to see them grow up in a way that I don't know um, that I would have been as present to had we not been, been in this, in this time period. Um, It's also been very difficult. It's also been very challenging because, you know, you just, there was a moment at the very beginning of all of this that I was like, oh, the world is ending. And I don't have any apocalyptic skills. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't know how to start a fire. I don't know. I, I just know what North, South, East, and West is based on the sun. Like, I don't, I can't really help it. <laughs> like, I don't know how to survive. I couldn't survive in my backyard for a week. I swear to God. <laughs>
1: no. Well, so has it prompted you to learn anything new? I mean, some people um, have started and killed Red starters. I am one of those people who went through that hell sourdough phase and killed many starters. Um, you know, obviously binge watching and reading, but have you learned anything or have you changed?
0: So I did learn how to, I did in, in improve my baking, my cooking, baking skills. I went through, you know, the banana bread whole thing. Uh, thanks to Chrissy Teigen. I, I learned to make pizza from scratch. I learned how to cure yeast. I learned all of that stuff. Um, and, and honestly, one thing I did do is a lot of the books that had been sort of stacking up, and I'm I'm an avid 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 reader, and I love books, and I will collect them and have many of them. I actually did get through. I mean, I I I made a small dent in the pile, but let's be clear, the pile was like you know, I'm I'm never. That's the whole point of a book lover is like, and I see all those books behind you. It's like you don't ever want to get through. It's like Belle, right? And she walks in, and she's like, oh, the books, you know. So I read a variety of books, and um, they were all so interesting and so fascinating, and. So that, I think that was one of the things that I did to try to improve myself was just, was, was read. Um, Cause in life I read a lot of of YA books, but I, ch- I really challenged myself to read all of the books on my um, list and I didn't get through it. And that's actually kind of a good thing for a book lover is like to like still have more.
1: <laughs> um, we're going to talk about something that's, that is fun, but also a little heavy. And that is this new show that you're starring in for NBC. It premieres in February. It's called The End Game. And I was fortunate to watch uh, the pilot last night, but why don't you tell us what The End Game is about? It's a who done it, who did it, who's doing it type of situation where we
0: have this, um, and I'm showing my age here, but this Carmen Sandiego type of figure, you know, this sort of international woman of mystery. Um, and she's very mysterious and she's very, um, classy and, and all of the things that an international villain is supposed to be. Um, but we don't really know. Is she a villain? Is she not a villain? What is she out for? We don't really, you know, there's all of this mystery surrounding her and the only person in the sort of, in the good guys. And I put that in quotes because that's what part of the show is about. in the FBI is, is my character and my character is the only one for whatever reason who happens to have this dossier on this, this international woman of mystery. Her character, her name is Elena Federova, played by the incredible and um, incomparable Lorena Baccarin, Um that they're not as in control as they think that they are and that this woman is pulling the strings. And I know some things about this woman that you don't know. And so it's, it's really interesting because it's like, the sub, there's a lot of subtext about not taking women as seriously as we should be taken, and how we have to fight very hard for um, recognition, and sometimes how we can exploit those loopholes, and in, in well, you know, men's thinking about us, and um, use it for our own nefarious, in her case, gain, and in my case, I'm constantly proving myself, even though I'm an FBI agent and have been on the, the 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 job for many years, I'm still forced to prove why i deserve to be in the room
1: and i'm not going to give away any spoilers i i think it was a lot of fun um i was telling ryan before we started talking that it's always great to have two strong characters with an excellent villain possible villain right there's shades of gray to everything (laughs) um but you also play an atypical fbi agent in the show itself you're considered a unicorn the the villain uh Elena Federover actually calls you a unicorn because you're principled, you're relentless, and also you're so principled that it's led to some trauma in your personal life with your husband mm-hmm. that has led you to become an outcast by the FBI. Doing the right thing wins you no points, right? No good deed mm-hmm. goes unpunished. So I thought that was a very interesting twist on the FBI character. You're smart, very highly principled character, and people can't see that.
0: I think it's also, it's so interesting, right? Because it's like, she doesn't look like an FBI agent. You know, My character Val, she doesn't act like an FBI agent. And it really turns sort of like, it turns two tropes on its head, right? Because um, the show works on two levels, I think. It turns the, the trope of sort of like, um, and now I'm not showing my age, I never actually sh- saw this show. I'm just using it as an example. The dragnet, the sort of like, um, the shows that people grew up with that taught us what a good principled agent would look like, right? And so when presented with something that doesn't look like that, I think a lot of people then assume, well, you can't either be that principled or you can't either be that good at your job. In the show itself, I'm trying to prove yes, just because I'm 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 in a different package doesn't mean you can't trust that I'm standing on the same principles that we all took an oath to, you know, you, when you're in the FBI, you take an oath, right? You take an oath to the constitution, you take an oath to the, I mean, all of these things. Um, not, to, not to mention the fact that, you know, when you think about how the FBI was founded, did you know that, that they didn't, they had to wait for J. Edgar Hoover to die? To, di- like, hear the words that are coming, they had <laughs> to wait for the man to die. Before they were allowed to let the first women into Quantico and into their training programs, I just think that that
1: says something so profound. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it it absolutely says something so profound about how you know in the scheme of history, what was that? Fifty years ago? I don't know the exact date that J. Edgar Hoover died, but it's not you know ancient history. It's fairly no. recent in this country. It, yes, I don't think it was fifty years ago. I mean, it it, it may have
0: been like forty eight. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Which is not even a half of a average lifespan, really, or maybe just over half. But, the, but to your point, like it's not ancient history, and like he wasn't even in the FBI. It wasn't like they had to wait for him to retire. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they had to wait for him to be off the planet, <laughs> you know. And, and even then, it was like his ghost just might come back and haunt me. So <laughs> <laughs> let's wait an extra five years to be on the safe side. So I just. You know, and then to obviously be doing the show now, um, and I can imagine that being a woman of color <laughs> in the FBI is is, is yet another layer um, that that to, to contend with.
1: Yes. So, did you spend time with FBI agents and get trained and learn some of their moves or lingo? Well, unfortunately, because
0: of COVID. All of the ways in which we would have done that kind of research are now not ways that we can do that research. And then of course, when I was told that I had the job and all of that stuff, uh, Delta was just um, coming around that corner. <laughs> and then I come back and Overcron is coming around the corner. So, um, but I do, there is a wonderful woman, her name is Veronica and she is our consultant and she, she allows me to pick her brain for everything at any time in any place. And so, so I've had her and I think because she's so good at her was, she was such a great agent and she's so good at communicating what that was like. um, I feel pretty confident um, in my relationship with her um, knowing and understanding what it's like to be on, on the job or at least getting a, a, a picture of it.
1: So you've played, as I started this conversation, uh, talking about a variety of roles in TV shows and movies. But I, I was looking at some of your recent work, uh, First, Wife Club, First Wives Club, uh, as an example. And then this Netflix movie, Sylvie, which uh, was very popular about a, I mean, it's a romantic uh, story. And you play a woman executive in the 1960s, a Black woman executive. Um, And I read some stories about how you played her, which is you played her like the people that you grew up with, powerful woman who knew how to manage things. Can you talk a little bit about just some of the roles that you have taken on and what's drawn you to them? That That
0: is a fascinating question because I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. I haven't felt like I've had a great deal of choice in my career. When I look back on the things that I didn't get, I think that there was a trend of people seeing some seeing something in me, right? And then over time in the aggregate is like what your career starts to look like, right? Because when you're a, when you're an actor, um, most of us are just actors for hire. Like I said, we're going in for auditions, whether it's playing a, a, a drug dealer or, you know, not that I've, I don't think I've ever auditioned for a drug dealer, but, <laughs> you know, whatever. I've auditioned for all kinds of roles. You know, my first big, big role was um, on television was uh, Boston Legal and I played a lawyer and well first wise a lawyer um, all rise a lawyer (laughs) you know and I'm looking back and it's not like I only auditioned for lawyers (laughs) I don't only audition for sort of strong um, capable obviously black I can't audition for I can't ever be not black but you know uh, women and I do think that there's something to be said for what people have seen in me over the years and, and why they've chosen me for certain roles and not chosen me for the other roles that, that I have also auditioned for. I like to think that I, that I presented them equally well, um, but we also live in a, in a world where people, there also, there has to be that sort of, that kismet connection between you and your character so even if you co- go in with this incredible audition to play someone who's whatever, how not how people in the industry see you, you're still missing that piece that the casting director and the directors want to see. There's this sense that like the girl who comes in and gives the great audition, that seems like she didn't have to work at it. <laughs> I would always betray myself because I would, you know, have these wonderful conversations with the casting directors and directors before the audition and, you know, i use some SAT word, ameliorate, <laughs> you know, castigate. You know, and they'd be like, "Um, you you went where? You, uh, okay. Okay. So now let's get back to the character. And I think I would give great auditions and they would just be like, oh no, baby, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to... We're going to bring you back in next week for the, uh, you know what I mean? I, and I would audition for the, all those other roles and and try to bring
1: as much um, of myself to them as possible. Well, So what role didn't you get? I mean, I can list your credits. You mentioned some of them, Boston Legal, Trauma, Army Wives, This Is Us, Empire, First Wife Clubs, All Rise. Um, you're now about to start in the end game. What role didn't you get? What, what do you want to play? that you you think people i can do this
0: <laughs> all of them <laughs> there've been a lot of roles that i didn't get and you know i i think about the roles where how interesting would it be to play one of those roles where they see the person as sort of down and out, you know, and unfortunately in our world, we think of down and out and we equate that sometimes with being low income, which I don't necessarily think is terribly fair. Right. But in our, in our industry, usually when it's that, you know, gritty indie film, it's always related to some sort of trauma and trauma and poverty go hand in hand and in real life. They do. I'm, I'm not trying to say that, that they don't, but also you can live a very full life without, um, a great deal of means or resources so I just want to put that out there um but I definitely wonder like what would it be like to have somebody play those roles who well if they allow and not to say that women that the women who play those roles don't but wouldn't it be interesting to play a role like that with somebody if they had been given certain resources they would have been the first Black producer, you know, like the character in Sylvie's Love. Like, I, I wonder, like, what would the character play if they, if it were me and what people see in me, but without the opportunities. Like, I'm only me because somebody gave me opportunities. I thought about that the other day. Like, I learned to read at a very early age, which some people think of as a sign of intelligence. It may be, it may not be. But I just happen to have a skill set that at five years old, a kindergarten teacher thought, oh, well, isn't that special? And that sets me on a completely different trajectory. If I had decided I wanted to learn to roller skate. <laughs> it could have, it could have gone either way. <laughs> I just happened to like to read and was like, eh, roller skating on concrete isn't as fun because it's you know gravelly and bumpy <laughs> but what if what if I had a smoother driveway would I would I have had that skill set and, and been overlooked in kindergarten I, I, you know it's just the little things that we we think of as like oh this means something and it means i means this kid is smart and hardworking. and really I I just didn't like the gravelly bumpy driveway.
1: I mean, that is a very interesting analogy, and it is about opportunity, and you never know what's going to shape or form somebody and and be a formative experience to them. So uh, I think your gravelly driveway is a pretty good analogy about the what-if scenario. Exactly.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: The name of this podcast is called I'm So Obsessed. So Ryan, Michelle, Beth, what are you obsessed with?
0: One, I'm obsessed with this app called Dragon City. And my son found it when he was about four and a half years old. And we play it together. And now that I'm away from my children, it's something that my oldest son and I can sort of vibe on. And there are not that many things that we can vibe on because I do not understand Fortnite at all. Um, (laughs) But Dragon City is an app and basically what it is, I don't even know what it's called in terms of the world of tech, but it's one of those apps and you sort of build these little islands and then you get these dragons. And basically it's just a way for them to like, make you spend money because you get these gems and you spend money on gems and then the gems get you all this stuff. And, and I know that it's silly and I know that it's crazy, but I love Dragon City. And I love that I do it with my, with my oldest son. It actually really means a lot to me and I like getting new dragons. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and then they have these like little, you can like battle, and like you have like they have these races where you get the like super high dragons, and like I'm looking at all the people and I'm like, I'm beating you, you know, 7210 oh. <laughs> like Brooklyn Bridge lover. <laughs> <I'm beating you. laughs> it's like I'm like, I really should do better things with my time, but I don't, I love Dragon City. Um and uh I'm also obsessed with um, I said I was a book lover. And I got to tell you uh, the YA quote unquote genre, um, I put it in quotes because I know that it's such a big genre and it's very unwieldy, but I just, I, I, I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with the new books that come out. I just think that there's such smart voices and, and, and new voices in that world. And And we're talking
1: about young adult books and book series. I imagine book series as well. That's what you're really into. Okay. Yes.
0: Yes, I love them, and um, I I I think they're I just think they're it's just a fabulous fabulous way to continue to read because I know a lot of people don't have a lot of time, uh, but those books are so engrossing and they typically are such fast reads. Um, but truthfully, I just think that the themes that they deal with and, and how they treat for mostly young women, um, you know, I grew up with a series called Sweet Valley High, and uh, let me tell you. And I don't really treat women like the smartest, <laughs> sharpest tax in the bunch in Seat Valley High. Um, it's, it's funny cause it, it's like, I never forget one of the, one of the books in Seat Valley High was about um, this girl who's slightly chubby and they make fun of her. And boy, does she get back at them because she runs and she starts, you know, she doesn't eat her Snickers bar every day. And at the end of the book, oh, and then the hottest guy in the, seat. and, and, and as a child, I was like, good for her, good for her. You know what I mean? And I'm like, if I ever get to high school, I'm not going to get a Snickers bar every day either. I'm going to run to like, I mean,
1: I was like, what's the, what were we thinking? You know? And, well, so, and so what are you reading? What are you reading now? Cause I imagine your kids are reading young adult books. I mean, people know Harry Potter, there was this whole Twilight craze. I mean, there are many young adults. Like oh, there are so
0: many um, children of blood and bone is incredible. And it's such a, such a better story um, to tell other than don't eat Snickers bars. Oh, let me tell you, uh, which also, which also goes to the last thing I'm obsessed with. And that's the sort of um, anti-diet revolution, which I'm just loving that people are putting this language around, like, um, Anti diet and diet culture, which you know, is sort of very new for me personally to hear. Um, although we've all been living in it, right? But to put language around that is kind of it's kind of incredible. Which is probably linked to why I'm really into sort of that um, young adult novel space, because I do think that there that they are talking about a lot of themes that's getting young women to think in ways that I was not trained to think in as a young woman.
1: You've been in the entertainment industry for a while. I'm not going to say decades or years. I'm not trying to age you or anything.
0: Thank you. Thank you. (laughs)
1: Uh, How has it changed? Are you optimistic um, about maybe the opportunities that you're seeing, not just as a woman, but a woman of color or just in general? Are you seeing what is the change that you're seeing in entertainment from a tech perspective? Certainly we see a disruption because of the pandemic and streaming becoming much more a thing and people watching movies on their smartphones on tiny screens. So there's been a format evolution, if you will, a distribution evolution, but from your perspective, what does the industry look like to you or how has it evolved?
0: It's one of the first, these past few years have been, it's the first time I've actually been this optimistic and hopeful in my career ever, ever, ever. I mean, I think that when I first, started in the business I mean my mother was an actress and um <laughs> when I first this is a little racy so bear with me no, no foul language but when I first started my mother was like um make sure you have your whole wig and I was like my whole I'm sorry she was like well you know you're gonna go out for a lot of prostitutes so make sure you have your whole wig and I was like About And, you know, from, from her perspective, and if you go back and you watch the hill street blueses, and if you go back and you watch, um, all of those, those old shows back in the day, in the early eighties, when black women did get an opportunity, a lot of the time, probably 75% of the time they were, um, sex workers and, uh, people that were not, um, seen. By the larger society as 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 worthwhile, right? And you know that's just a fact. And even when I first got in the business, and and you know, no one knowing how to do your hair, knowing no no one knowing how to do your makeup, there's a reason why they didn't have to. Um, but yes, I do think that that it has provided us with a wellspring of opportunities because the distribution um, has changed, the access access points have changed, and now we also have this. Um, I don't want to call it a course, but we have social media that now is an opportunity. Before, years ago, you used to have to write a letter to NBC, <laughs> to the Peacock. Dear Mr. Peacock, I would like to see more Black people in your TV shows. Love, Ryan. <laughs> and I know this because I actually did write a letter to um to to Aaron Spelling when I was a child because I was watching Beverly Hills 90210 and they had one episode starring Vivica Fox with Black people and uh I was horrified even as a child and I was like dear Mr. Spelling (laughs) I just learned (laughs) about equity and this is why I wrote this whole letter and that's the only way you had to communicate that's it Like now you can write an email, you can go on Twitter. You can be like, dear Twitter, did y'all see this craziness?
1: (laughs) Wait, now, uh, did he answer you? No, no,
0: (laughs) no, 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 he didn't. I wish that that were the end of the story, but no, he did not. The story is is that that was my only way of of trying to fight what I saw as this massive injustice. And um, I mean, there was a character who couldn't read he was a gangbanger and he couldn't read. I was like, dear Mr. Sp- I've been to LA and I've never met a black man in LA who couldn't read. <laughs> I mean, and he was like 18. I mean, not to say that, you know, of course but I was just like, dude, like this is this is not the show to like talk about illiteracy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, Like, come on, <laughs> right? He needs to be handsome, and someone needs to fall in love with him, and that's the end of the story. Right. <laughs> so, anyway,
1: well, um, you're right. Tech has changed a lot of things, and one of the questions that I want to ask you is, what is your favorite piece of tech?
0: I say that I'm not tech savvy, and I and I and I am, and I, I wish that I were like a more gadgets and gizmos type of person, um, but I'm not. I think, like everyone else, my phone, right? Because I've learned how to and my apps and all that, like the Peloton app, I think, I mean, I guess it's, is that, does that count as a piece of technology, the Peloton app that I, um, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Because I can take it with me everywhere and I can, I can find ways to sort of, and then of course, listening to podcasts while I'm out and about. And, and it's really been kind of a lifesaver when we've all been in the house and, um, you know, you take your podcast with you and you go for your long walks and, you know, you can clear your head and, um, and I'm trying to think, you know, obviously, gosh, I'm like a little Apple. And, and, and cause real tech heads aren't really into Apple. Are they like, isn't that like a thing where they're just like, really like that. <laughs> it,
1: there, there is, um, there are religious wars over tech, but it's totally fine to be interested in Apple. I am an Apple person as well, because it all works together. And I like tech to work for me. I don't want to work for tech.
0: I have these speakers in my house, this Heos, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. and like. It it downloads your whatever your your i your iTunes, your your Pandora, and it, it's indoor or outdoors. And I am obsessed. I put my heels on and like whenever there's a party, it's like my party trick. You know, I've got my speakers going and people are like, oh my God, what music is this? And I'm just like, it's my own playlist of Afroweats. Like I <laughs> feel so like empowered, I, I can't even tell you, I love it. And I, when we get out, we go outside me and the kids and like, you know, I put on music and I just, it's, I just feel like the grooviest and, and grooviest groove.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you talk to your smart speaker? I don't know if you're an Alexa person or a Google assistant, or do you talk? siri alexa alexa and
0: siri as a matter of fact siri failed me because i asked her to set a timer like to be here like i was like so i could be here early and siri failed me i hope you're listening siri you're a failure it's fine but um you're on my list now alexa i love you better um me and alexa me and my kids alexa tell a joke is like our favorite thing alexa give me a beat (laughs) it goes over very well in our house jimmy kimmel's uh, really corny jokes on Alexa uh, yeah we do we we, we go we, we're an Alexa family we go on and we have dance parties especially over the holidays I have to say it's like because and and this may sound corny but you know growing up or just before corona uh, the holidays meant you and your friends and your family or your chosen family who my friends are my chosen family getting around and 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 you know making the food together and setting the table together and all of that stuff. And Alexa has become, and those sort of tech features have replaced that in this pandemic for me, right? And so I've found a way to either play music or, or have Alexa play something, a podcast or whatever that reminds me of um, those times. And the music is going and I, I don't feel quite as lonely. You know, and I get to sort of cook and cook the things that remind me of home, cook the cook of, of being a child and growing up and what Christmas really means and Thanksgiving really means and even to a certain extent Halloween. And it doesn't feel quite as lonely, you
1: know. That's interesting. I mean, I think that's good that you found a way that tech can have a positive role in your life because there's a lot of discussion these days about the the bad role that tech has been playing in some of our yeah. lives and our public discourse. All right, let me ask you two other questions. If you could have a piece of tech invented just for you, what do you want them to make for you? What do you want? (laughs) If they could do that
0: thing in the matrix where they just have a little thing and it downloads everything you need to know, to be honest with you, I would love to just like push a button, put it in and go, I know Taekwondo. That would be a dream. If I could just do I finally learned how to knit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, super skill transfer on on demand. That's what you want. Okay, got it. Brian Michelle Bathay, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us, and good luck with the new series, The Endgame. Looking forward to seeing how you go up against this master villainess, who may not be a villain, but maybe is a villain. We don't know. Okay, absolutely. Anytime. It was a lot of fun for me too. Thanks, Ryan Michelle Bath, for talking to me. And thank you for listening. I'm So Obsessed was created by our executive producer, Danielle Ramirez. Our editor and lead producer is Sophia Fox-Selwell. And this episode was produced by Rebecca Fleener. Please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. And follow the show on Twitter at I'm So Obsessed Pod. Until next time, take care.